This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All we can be sure of is this. Zach Berry and Grayson Weir are hashtag not committed. I love a good train wreck. Hey, what up? This is Not Committed. I'm your host, Zach Berry. Joining me as always, Mr. Grayson Weir. Grayson, it is the day after the 4th of July. I legitimately forgot about fireworks. I did not realize that they were still a thing, um, which is funny because last week I drove over to Sweetens Cove to go support our boy Neil Schuster of No Laying Up and uh, his 100-hole hike. Um, shout out to Youth on Course. They're doing some amazing work. But, you know, if, if our listeners are familiar with Sweetens Cove in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, you know there's this humongous, like, Tennessee-Alabama state line fireworks store that's right there off the highway but um yeah fireworks fucking suck and they're annoying oh see i'm on the total opposite side of that i know the dogs don't like it and and my dog in particular with last year or this year was kind of his his first real big firework display and he wasn't a huge fan but i'm i am totally i freaking love fireworks i'm like a little child that just gets totally mesmerized and i'm sucked into them for hours upon end and i will sit there so and just so they're like them. a so they're like a beacon like a beacon like on uh wreck it ralph with the side bugs yeah or like to get rid of them you, you have to have a beacon um i mean yeah like so for my you know very different perspective from me to you here because me i am a dad who is looking at the monitor and I am just thinking in my head, if they wake up my fucking daughter, <laughs> I'm going to go rad dad on somebody. Um, but you know, fire, you know, all jokes aside, I mean, fireworks are fine, but I mean, my neighborhood last night was just going insane. Yeah. I, that, I will say that there should be like one organized firework per neighborhood or something like that, because it's just, it's a I whole mean, thing. I mean, it was just like, I don't know how I, I, I want to like go around the corner and ask how much they spent on fireworks, because I mean, it was <laughs> it was from like 645 till 1130. Goodness gracious. Yeah, that gets now, a little long. Could have been multiple homes, but um, it was ridiculously. Luckily. Memorial Day, uh, big dog hated it, like was hovering over me panting in my face just could not stand it last night both dogs slept through it um 
and so did the kids. So it, it's, it's all good. Um, but yeah, I was like, yeah, this is like my, I'm, I'm getting like to, you know, my second evolution of a dad where I'm like, fucking hate fireworks going to wake up my kid but that's exactly hate it. It the, um, the, the second stage of dadship yeah um, I was also knee deep in a uh, the boys binge session um, I don't know how many years late I am on that show but it is outstanding I don't know if you ever watched it but uh, I haven't yet but I, I keep being told to get on it I had somebody describe it to me I, I've had like 12 people for the last two years, three years, however long it's been out, have been like, dude, you got to watch it. Like, you'll love it. If you if you like Marvel stuff, like, you'll like the superhero angle. Um, you know, they're like, oh, like, because I was like, oh, it kind of reminds me of Watchmen. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, a lot of those vibes, too. And then a friend of mine, like, perfectly described it as, it's like the MCU, but with capitalism. I was like, oh, okay. There you go. Um, so, yeah, so that was good. Um while we're on the subject, you know, typically we open with weather, but we're talking with uh, television and film right now. Um, finished uh, the Terminal List, which is also on Amazon. This is like a this is like a freaking ad for Amazon right now. Um, Chris Pratt's new show is very good. Um, so yeah, this is what this is what you do when you're a dad, and one kid is at the in laws, and then you have the younger one that's very easy to deal with. And your wife is out of the country. You just stay up late and binge television. Well, that and it's officially the dead season here. I mean, we got Wimbledon going Very on true. and all that stuff. But man, it's dead season it's slow literally and figuratively because the yes. dead period r- runs through the end of this month. Um. So yeah, let's get into it. There was a a couple of uh, Ole Miss centric things that happened over the weekend. Um, both included uh, LSU. Um. I'll tee you up here for the first one um, that was uh, quite interesting to read on Twitter.com. Yeah, I I mean, the Dion Smith saga continues. It's been quite the process here over the last year and a half um, between his initial commitment, his time at LSU, his transfer portal. I mean, I think he's still in the transfer portal, but... He technically isn't allowed to play academically. Nobody really knows what's going on there. All we know is that he was pretty much dead set to transfer to Ole Miss, but his transcripts and his academics weren't there. So over the weekend, Brennan Chapman, who was an Ole Miss staffer from 2012 to 2020, he was there with Hugh Freeze and towards the end of Matt Luke, um, he posted on Twitter on the 3rd of July, so Sunday, um, and just kind of put out a teaser saying that he just talked to a friend still in the industry, and wow, the next big story in college sports should be about what Brian Kelly is doing to Deion Smith, release his transcript, let the kid play. So per Chapman, what, what Brennan's saying is that a East Mississippi Community College coach is hoping to get Deion Smith on the field in scuba this fall because he's ineligible to play at LSU. He's ineligible to transfer to a, another FBS program, but likely has the transcripts to at least go play at a JUCO. Um, and so what Brennan was saying is that EMCC sent a coach over to Baton Rouge 
to pay money to get his transcript for which the Tigers said uh, would cost EMCC $7,000. So they waited two, uh, two hours upon arrival in Baton Rouge to get Dion Smith's transcript with $7,000 cash in hand. Two hours later, LSU came back and said it would cost $22,000 to get Dion Smith's transcript. So now, obviously, this could be there's some inflated stuff coming from EMCC. Brennan obviously is no in the, longer in the business, so he doesn't really have anything to worry about, but Brennan is dialed in. He knows what's going on in the world. He was I there mean, for eight years. Like He has all these connections. So for him to come out and say this the way that he did is pretty eye-opening at, at the very least. I, I mean, my man not only aired it out, but he tagged Brian Kelly. He sure did. Like, my guy Brian Kelly's down there recruiting at a high level, by the way. LSU is top 10 in the on three uh, consensus team recruiting rankings right now, but uh, he's also catching strays on Twitter because, uh, yeah, not only did you air it out, which, you know, obviously we don't know the legitimacy of this, but like you said, he is someone who is dialed in, knows a lot of people in the business after, I, I can't I mean, maybe eight years, maybe more. In the business, yeah, so I'm 2012 sure he, to 2020 at Ole Miss. Okay, I mean, he knows sure what he's, he's talking about. I'm sure, he still knows people. I mean, this is probably not far from the truth. And look, I don't want to make assumptions or accusations here, but I mean, look, this was kind of the the gist I had the whole time. And now, look, our, our very own Ben Garrett, incredibly well sourced on this. And I do. I'm not saying Ben was wrong, but the entire time there were concerns. Is LSU going to allow him to transfer, you know, an inner division transfer? Um, you know, they can't, you know, legally technically block him. You got to let him do what he wants. He has his one-time free transfer. I was always skeptical. Um, and then with the coaching change, I was like, well, maybe Brian Kelly won't care. Maybe he won't understand the, you know, he's new to the SEC. And, you know, it doesn't take an incredibly intelligent you know, savvy veteran that's been in the SEC for long to know that that's not a good thing to let someone transfer to another school that's in your division, your rival. But I figured he would just kind of be like, eh, whatever. Like, I mean, Deion Smith is a guy that has incredibly high upside. The potential is through the roof. But he didn't just put up bonkers numbers. So I kind of figured that, you know, with um, – oh, my God, I'm drawing a complete blank. Um their old receivers coach. Um, you know, he was gone. Um, Mickey Joseph. Um, so I kind of figured that it was just going to be one of those, like, hey, like, it's all good. Like, go do your thing. Like, if you want to leave, we wish you well. Uh, obviously, it wasn't. Um, and then more and more people started talking about it. And it kind of started to click where it was like, you know, yeah, I could see them doing that. Uh, this is, I, I guess, kind of where my, maybe my, uh, you know, I typically like to expect the best out of people. Uh, I'm a pretty laid back guy. I like to uh, give everybody the benefit of the doubt. But uh, apparently LSU was like, no, we're not going to let you. Um, oh, by the way, you need to uh, go through some tutoring sessions to get eligible. Uh, and then, you know, there were the jokes of, you know, oh, I bet LSU is you – know, I bet the tutors deleted his number or they blocked him, and they're not going to help him at all. Um, I don't know if that happened. Now, I do know 
from several sources that Mr. Smith struggled in the classroom, um, obviously had to get, get his grades up to be eligible. Most people for the longest time <clears throat> said that he would get it done. It would be fine. He would transfer in the summer, but obviously not. So I don't know the validity of this, but again, it's just somebody going off on Twitter, but you have to, you, you know, it begs the question, is this what really happened? Now, it could all just not even matter. Deion Smith will play at EMCC in the fall, and then he will transfer wherever he wants, seemingly to Ole Miss, um, you know, in December when his junior college season is over. But still, it's pretty loud for somebody that, you know, a former recruiting staffer to get out there on Twitter and just air you out like Absolutely. And he wouldn't be saying it uh, if I know Brennan, who like obviously Brennan comes with, you know, he, he often likes to, since leaving Ole Miss, he likes to kind of air grievances both within the Ole Miss program and around the SEC. Um, but he wouldn't come out and, and say what he said if he didn't have someone, you know, pretty dialed into the whole situation if not the person the coach himself that went over uh to lsu you know in his pocket saying this now whatever that coach said we don't know the validity of what he said to brennan but brennan is just relaying what he heard from you know a coach at emcc who is well connected and, and knowledgeable in the situation so it seems like the math adds up based on everything you and I had heard leading up to this allegations and accusations about LSU, but either way, I mean, it's not a good look and it'll be interesting to see what happens because if Deion Smith does go to EMCC this fall, um, while you would like to think he ends up at Ole Miss in the long run, in some ways that may not even be the best, you know, possible outcome for Ole Miss because he goes to EMCC and just totally balls out he's kind of reopening his recruitment and Ole Miss may not get him in the end. Um, it's all a bunch of what ifs. And he said, she said from all parties across the board, uh, nobody really knows except for obviously Dion himself and the coaching staff itself down there in Baton Rouge. But it'll be really interesting to see where it comes from this, because those are some pretty big allegations that are probably going to just get brushed under the rug. But if that's actually what's going on, um, and I would venture to guess that it is because Brennan wouldn't say that without having it well sourced and, and well uh, backed. It's not great. And it, it's, it's not a good situation for anyone involved, uh, particularly for, for poor Dion, who, if that really is what's happening, where LSU won't release his transcript and let him transfer and is holding a big number over community college, particularly EMCC's head. Uh, that really just sucks for him. And I, I, I hope he gets out of that situation. And I hope Brian Kelly and his staff down there, if they are withholding his transcript, you know, let the kids play eventually. Otherwise, it seems like a pretty scummy move. But that's yeah. nothing abnormal from SEC recruiting practices. Yeah, no, yeah. But all right, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we'll get into uh, the second LSU topic of the uh, of the show. So hang tight. We'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Lamar Yard, Oxford's indoor-outdoor restaurant, bar, and entertainment space on South Lamar. 
They now have an updated menu with non-barbecue options from Tex-Mex to Mississippi Delta catfish to smash burgers. And you can contact Lamar Yard for your private events for the spring and summer. They have a dedicated event coordinator who will help you plan your event from start to finish, and they offer on-site catering. From weddings to Greek parties or corporate events, Lamar Yard is the perfect place to host your next party. Lamar Yard is Oxford's quintessential family and pet-friendly venue, and they look forward to hosting you soon. Check them out at lamaryard.com. And if you want a place for clever dishes and captivating cocktails, look no further than So Wild in South Lamar. Chef Erica and her committed team of food and beverage enthusiasts are bringing top-notch cuisine and libations to you six days a week. Whether it's happy hour three to six, fresh squeezed margaritas, ramen, two-for-one Moscow mules, all of that and more, the best and brightest in-house or via curbside pickup. Check them out, solaoxford.com or call them at 662-238-3500 and place your order today. The show also brought to you by Memphis restauranteur Kelly English and his restaurant group in Memphis, Tennessee. The renowned chef and his team are offering nationwide shipping and virtual cooking classes with Cooking with Kelly. You can learn more about the nationwide shipping at irisetc.com and you can also book a virtual cooking class online at table22.com slash iris. Kelly English Restaurant Group in Memphis, Second Line Restaurant Iris and the Magnolia House down on the coast in Biloxi. Show is also brought to you by Cherokee Valley Golf Course in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Get on over, see Cody Allen and the rest of the crew take on their challenge of the wide plush Zoiza fairways and large championship Bermuda greens. They've got two putting greens to hone in your game with the flat stick, the driving range, and a chipping green to tighten up that short game. Book a tee time online at olivebranchgolf.com or give them a call at 662-893-4444. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back here on Not Committed. Zach Barry, Grayson, we are with you. All right, Grayson, uh, major Ole Miss target, Deshaun Womack, committed to LSU on July 4th. Um, Ole Miss felt like they had a really good shot at Womack due to the connections at St. Francis Academy with Damon Clowney and uh, Wayne Dorsey, his position coach who played at Ole Miss, uh, committed to LSU over the weekend. Um, I was going to read off a quote from Mr. Womack that uh, I thought was was interesting um, just because of, you know, it's it's funny because it's cliche and a lot of these quotes are very canned answers that prospects will say all the time. Um, but he said, quote, I was looking for that feeling and I got it at LSU. LSU felt like home. Feeling like I was home in Baltimore was big for me. Um, now I haven't spent a ton of time in Baltimore. Um, love their airport. Fantastic airport. Um, anytime you can get a pot belly and an Einstein brothers right next to each other in a terminal that is close to a gate, um, that is just, that's outstanding. You, you can't teach that. That's just incredible. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I am curious to what was the draw to LSU for a guy that's from the, you know, DC Maryland area, um, seemingly had a really good time at Ole Miss. Um, but then, you know, also a guy that, you know, took his time with the process and took, took official visits, um, went to Maryland, the home school, home state school, went to Georgia, went to Oregon, um, and, and went to Ole Miss and LSU. Um, so this was, you know, kind of one of those old school recruitments where, um, you know, wasn't the last official. It was the second to last with Oregon being the last one. But um, LSU kind of had that final word. I never thought Oregon was in the mix heavy at all. It was always going to be, from what I was told by several sources, it was going to come down to LSU, Georgia, or Ole Miss. Um, but I, I'm just – this is kind of one of those recruitments with Ole Miss and how this staff is approaching recruiting now with the portal, the emphasis on the portal being huge, but also they're focusing on a very small group of high school prospects. They are putting a ton of energy into a very small group that they believe are instant impact guys, not necessarily going to be freshman All-Americans, but guys that they think can contribute in some way as soon as they step foot on campus, whether that be being a factor in the two deep, helping them out on special teams or uh, being a factor, you know, on either side of the football. But I just think that this one is, is one that, and look, this isn't, this isn't a sour grapes or I guess a, you know, an inflated sense of confidence because this is an Ole Miss show. Um, I, I talked to several national guys that, that said that, that it was a tough decision for him. Um, a lot of people thought that it was going to come down to LSU or Ole Miss. They thought Ole Miss, had the slight edge and then LSU kind of turned things around. But, uh, before, you know, I'll get your thoughts on the recruitment and then I want to parlay it or segue into the larger discussion in the final segment of the show. But um, this was one that I, I, I thought that Ole Miss had done enough. And even though he took the final visits to Oregon and to LSU, I thought, Hey, They've done a really nice job recruiting the Northeast. Um, Chris Partridge, Randall Joyner have done an outstanding job recruiting not only defensive linemen from up there with Taiwan Malone, Demon Clowney, Talik Robbins, but just in general, you know, they've, you know, uh, Davison Benoson had the quote where he said, you know, Lane Kiffin told me he wants to sign the best player out of the Northeast every year, and he thinks I'm the best player. Um, you know, they've got Tysheem Johnson, a guy that was an instant impact guy last season. Um, I think they expect Taiwan Malone and Talik Robbins to be heavy in the mix in the two deep for 2022. But this long-winded diatribe here, it's it's basically coming down to Ole Miss is, is not going to push for commits early, but they're going to be diligent in the continued pursuit of them. I still think they're going to recruit Deshaun Womack like he's not committed. And they're going to continue – to push for him, whether he's committed to LSU or not. Yeah, I, I think that's true too. And I, I think that's, I mean, it, it, I'll just come out and say it. Missing out on Womack f- for the staff, 
for the school, for the fans, for everybody involved with the program. Definitely a bummer. Um, Womack was a miss that I didn't really think would come this quickly. Um, and I think that speaks to what you're saying, Zach. And I, I, I don't think anyone really expected Womack to commit, you know, in July. Um, I, th- I, th- I think it was going to be, a, I thought, at least I thought it was going to be a more meditative process where he's going to finish his official visits, take the summer to think about it, maybe commit before his senior year, maybe take another visit or two in the fall if possible, and then kind of come to a decision closer to December. That's not the case. Womack committed to LSU yesterday. Um, a pretty big miss. I mean, I was really high on Womack. I think anyone in their right mind is high on Womack and what he could become on the collegiate level. Um, so it was a miss. And, and I think you're right that Ole Miss won't stop. And we know, you know, Lane Kiffin, based off of what Jonte Cook said, who I think Ole Miss has underst- understands at this point that Cook is likely – not going to flip, um, not going to end up in Oxford. But what he said about uh, Lane Kiffin just kind of constantly being in his back pocket and constantly being in his ear, that's going to continue to be the case, especially with a guy like Womack, where Joyner and Partridge, like you said, have done a really good job at the position, have really good, done a really good job with the defense, have done a really good job of establishing themselves as – I mean, we already knew they were great recruiters, but now they're really cranking it up a notch. This was a big miss for them. Um, and I think they're going to be, for lack of better word, pissed off about it. And I think they're going to be bummed that they missed out on Womack. And, and, and like you said, with that kind of disappointment and that frustration, um, I think they'll channel it as motivation and just continue to push and continue to, to pitch and maybe try to get him on campus one more time I mean, there's still so many, there's so much time left in, in these recruitments that sure, you know, commitment is one thing, but it's July. Nothing needs to be inked and dried until February 1st at the, at the latest. I mean, really closer to March, you know, now they're giving these kids a lot of a leeway with their, their signings. Um, but February 1st is the last day that they can commit. That's, more than six months away um so the staff will stay on him see what they can do um and then you glossed over it i'll come out and say it uh pretty hilarious that he came out and said feeling like i was home in baltimore was big for me um mind you i think baltimore is a cool city a lot of culture you know camden yards is great but it's baltimore um and so now Womack's comparing Baltimore to Baton Rouge, and I'll just leave it at that. Uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> all right. Uh, we're going to take our last break, and then we will get into the more um, broad scope topic that will close out the Tuesday show. So hang tight, and we'll be right back. Podcast brought to you by Protection Unlimited Incorporated, the Mid-South's leader in commercial and residential alarm security. Wayne Lowry and his team have been serving the greater Memphis area and North Mississippi for 50 plus years and would love to get your business and or family protected today. 
They offer cutting edge security for your home or business with video surveillance options, and they're monitoring 24 7, 365. You can reach them via phone at 901 754 6510 or email them at info at protectionunlimited.com. Podcast also comes to you thanks to Bluff City Advisory Group, Memphis's leading team of finance professionals. They can provide advanced assistance with financial planning, pension and qualified plan support, and business and estate planning strategies. Former Ole Miss Rebel and founding partner Ben Still, along with his elite level customer service team, make it their goal to help you meet the ongoing demands of your financial needs. Learn more about them at bluffcityadvisory.com. Podcast brought to you by the Barry Home Team. You're ready to sell and make the most net profit from your home. Call Stacy and Rick Barry today. They will lead you through the process from property assessment, repairs, staging, and putting that sold sign in your yard. Both have earned the multi-million dollar club member status, and they would love to assist you today in your real estate ventures. Call them 901-481-6420 or 901-461-6421. After you have talked to the Barry Home Team, you can talk to Saddle Creek Title, another proud sponsor of the show. They're the Mid-South's leader in client-focused, innovative closing solutions. Neil Hanna and his team are more than just a real estate closing firm. They are dedicated to going the distance to ensure the ease and growth of your real estate business. Find more information at SaddleCreekTitle.com or call them 901-753-1600. Show brought to you by Davis McCord State Farm. If you're looking for good neighbor service and surprisingly great insurance rates, look no further than Davis and his team. They are your one-stop shop in Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Mississippi for the service you deserve at the price you want. So stop looking around, give Davis a call. He is ready to help. 901-755-6110 and get your surprisingly great rates today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And we are back here on Not Committed. Last segment, Tuesday show. All right, Grayson. So I wanted to, I uh, said so we were segueing from LSU into this topic. Um, I am pretty interested to get your thoughts here. Uh, so looking at on three's 2023 team recruiting rankings, the Notre Dame fighting Irish. Um, I don't know if you had, uh, had them as someone that could potentially finish number one overall in the team rankings. Uh, but as nine, as of nine, 12 AM central time, July 5th, they are number one. They have one five-star, 15 four stars. Just an incredible run by Marcus Freeman and that staff at Notre Dame now that Brian Kelly has departed. Ohio State is sitting at number two. Texas at three, Alabama four, Georgia five, Clemson six, Southern Cal seven, Penn State eight, LSU nine, Miami ten. So basically my my final topic here is you've got one two, three, four in the top 10 that are first-year coaches at their respective programs. Marcus Freeman, obviously number one at Notre Dame. You have got um, Lincoln Riley at Southern Cal. You have got Brian Kelly at LSU and Mario Cristobal at Miami at 10. Now, Two sides. We're going to talk out of both sides of our mouth here as we close the show. We're going to look at – we're going to, you know, best case, worst case, good cop, bad cop, however you want to look at it. All of these first-year coaches at their respective schools, they're not all first-year head coaches. Marcus Freeman is at Notre Dame, as he was 
um, a coordinator before becoming the head coach in South Bend. But you've got Lincoln Riley, who was obviously the head coach at Oklahoma. Brian Kelly, who was at Notre Dame. And then Mario Cristobal, who was at Oregon. But they're all first-year guys at their programs now. Do we think that this is a direct correlation between these guys being really, really good recruiters and at Blue Blood programs? And or do we think this is where NIL has really tipped the scales for these bigger programs? I mean, you look at Notre Dame, which is a legit national brand, has been for decades. You've got Southern Cal. Obviously, you're familiar with that program. I mean, a blue blood of all blue bloods. Um, and then you've got LSU and Miami. I tend to lean that this is a direct result of NIL being basically pay for play, all above board now, everything's all good. These, these programs have extensive alumni networks. They have collectives, big-time boosters. And I think that this is kind of – now, I think both can be true. I do think that we cannot take away anything from all of these first-year coaches because I do think they are good recruiters. But let's not kid ourselves. I think this is where NIL has really, really hurt programs like Ole Miss that just can't compete on that level yet. I think it's a combination of factors. I mean, when you look at the hires that were made this offseason – they were all really good hires. Mario Cristobal makes perfect sense. At least, I mean, we'll see what happens. I thought Manny Diaz made sense at Miami too. Um, so this all could crash and burn, but we'll go strictly on paper here. Mario Cristobal at Miami makes a ton of sense. Brian Kelly at LSU makes no sense, but Brian Kelly's a good coach. USC and Lincoln Riley, a match made in heaven, a fun, young, energetic guy who runs a West Coast offense, you know, brings top talent to Hollywood and brings the flash and pomp and circumstance back to USC. And then Marcus Freeman, people love playing for him. These, these, I mean, current players, former players, current recruits, upcoming recruits, all of this stuff have said nothing negative to say about Marcus Freeman when that was not the case for Brian Kelly. You know, there, there were people who didn't like Brian Kelly, but now you've got Marcus Freeman in there. All great hires. But yes, NIL absolutely plays a part of it. And I'll, I'll open that up beyond just the top 10. When you look at the number 11 ranked team on the on three database 2023 consensus football team recruiting rankings, you've got Louisville. Louisville has had a fantastic run in the last couple of weeks. And we've talked about it a little bit already. Um, Their NIL efforts and strategy is among the best in the country. And they have the number 11 recruiting class in the country. Tennessee at number 13. We know what they're doing there with NIL. Florida, the Gator Collective, though bashed on by, um, oh God, I'm blanking on his name, Caspino, Mike Caspino, uh, with the whole Jaden Rashada thing last week the Gator Collective is putting in work. And then you kind of start to look at the teams behind them and you see the Baylors and the Michigan States and the North Carolina and Florida State, Stanford, West Virginia, Boston College, ironically, A&M. I think that's going to change. But Washington, Ole Miss, all these schools after that kind of first 
10, 11, 12, 13, 14, you know, teams that are not only have the good coaches, but are doing a lot of work within the NIL space. There's then a big drop off to the schools that aren't really in the NIL space as prominently. And it shows. Um, so all of this goes to say there's some irony, um, you know, calling for parity within college football. Yes, NIL doesn't really allow programs like an Ole Miss or, I don't know, a TCU or a Boston College um, to really compete financially with some of these other schools. But in a lot of ways, NIL is kind of evening the playing field to where, and I say that talking about both sides of my mouth because Notre Dame is obviously a blue blood, Ohio State's a blue blood, Clemson, USC, all of these schools are historic big name programs. But for the last couple of years, we've seen Alabama, Georgia one and two. We've seen Alabama, Georgia AM. We've seen kind of these other schools that are also blue bloods, but we're kind of just consistently one, two, and three. And then now with NIL, you get the Notre Dame in there again. You see a little bit of Penn State. You see Louisville. You see Tennessee, where Tennessee wasn't recruiting on a high level. Now they're 13th in the country. Obviously, there's a long way to go, but they're 13th in the country. All of this has allowed programs with really good, strong alumni bases with a lot of money in their pockets, or at least large alumni bases with small amounts of money in their pockets that they can then pool together through collectives, it allows them to get in the mix. So to answer your very initial question here after my long-winded answer, I think it's a combination of both of those things. I mean, they, they hired really good coaches, they being LSU, Miami, Notre Dame, um, and USC. But then USC, it's no secret what they're doing with their NIL over there. Texas, number three in the country, it's no secret that Bijan Robinson's driving a Lamborghini and Quinn Ewers is driving a custom Aston Martin. Um, Ohio State, uh, freaking Ryan Day came out and asked for you know 100 grand just to keep his current roster intact. Imagine what they're doing for their recruiting mm-hmm. classes. Um, so it's a combination well, of factors. What, but what about this? I think NIL is huge. <clears throat> what about this? I don't know if you've heard this rumor. And again, this show is basically you know the cannot you know trust but verify episode or not you know you know tongue-in-cheek trust but verify um mm-hmm. the rumor out there that louisville who is sitting at 11th right now in the team rankings they have seven four stars um right under miami at an 89.65 clip average uh score uh there's there's a rumor going around that jack harlow is responsible for their yeah. success on the <laughs> recruiting trail. Um, but, you know, all jokes aside, I think there are a lot of parallels here with all of these classes and Louisville included. You look at all these classes, Louisville committed Pierce Clarkson early on. Talented quarterback from California. His father, Steve Clarkson, runs the QB. Uh, what is it? The QB retreat. Is that what yeah. it is? Yep. Um, so I think that this is a good example of, talented guys gravitating towards other talented guys. I mean, Texas, as soon as Arch Manning committed, um, I mean, they had just a flurry of dudes that were seemingly waiting to see if Arch was going to go to Texas. And then they're like, all right, we're good. Let's do it. Um, 
you know, Clemson, same thing. They get Chris Bazzina early on, and then now they're rolling. Um, Georgia and Alabama are always going to be Georgia and Alabama. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, they're always going to recruit well. But, you know, Southern Cal, they get Malachi Nelson early on, and then they start getting a ton of California guys that were, you know, maybe not directly tied to Malachi Nelson, but they were either really intrigued by the opportunity to play for Lincoln Riley and or Lincoln Riley was recruiting them while he was at Oklahoma and now he's at Southern Cal. So it's just an easier commit to get because it's like, all right, just down the road, it's the, you know, the top brand in California. Um, but I feel like that's kind of a common theme with all of these top classes right now. I mean, you look at Notre Dame, Keon Keeley committed very early on. He's a five-star but then they reel off Peyton Bowen, four-star safety. Um, Drake Bowen, four-star linebacker. Christian Gray committed, I believe, over the weekend, four-star cornerback. Um, Micah Bell, another four-star cornerback. I mean, they're just getting these guys. Rico Flores Jr., four-star receiver. Um, just all of these guys gravitating towards other talented dudes. And we've said that on the show a ton where it's like, hey, man, good players want to play with other good players. Um I mean, I think that was evident with, you know, the transfer portal for Ole Miss. Um, you get somebody like Jackson Dart, dudes start paying attention. And I think that helped them get somebody like Jordan Watkins. It helped them get somebody like Jalen Robinson. Um, and, and that's not, you know, any disrespect to Lou Galtmeyer, but Jackson Dart is a bigger name. He's a bigger brand, um, you know, comparatively speaking towards Lou Galtmeyer, who's a very modest, you know, not a very – outgoing social media personality like and I don't know Luke Altmaier personally but I mean look Jackson Dart is the guy that wears the puka shell necklaces he's got the he's got the lettuce he played at Southern Cal you know he's the big you know glamorous name that you know is being included in early Heisman odds just because of the sheer talent and the you know potential of being in Lane Kiffin's offense and having success. So I think, it, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a good mix of these coaches that have great recruiting reputations, but let's not kid ourselves with NIL and how it's just pay for play now. And these bigger programs with bigger networks and bigger pools of money to uh, pull from are uh, really starting to make a dent in uh, the recruiting rankings. But look, I said it earlier in the show, Kiffin and them are not going to waver. They're going to stay with their strategy. They're going to recruit a certain guy from the high school ranks. They're going to go through the season, and they're going to reevaluate down the road in October, November, December. Um, yeah, I mean, not everybody's an early graduate. Some guys are going to wait till February. And like you said, until the ink's dry, it doesn't really matter. Exactly. But so. there's, there's a lot of time left. And, and if you're Ole Miss – We've seen what Lane Kiffin is doing with their class, and we've talked about it at nauseum. But just to reiterate, Ole Miss currently sits 45th per on three consensus team rankings. They have four four stars and one three star. They have five total recruits. Don't expect that ranking to skyrocket into the top 10. Don't even really expect it to skyrocket into the top 20. It's not impossible that it could, you know, if all the Ole Miss targets end up committing to Ole Miss, they could end in the top 25. Mm -hmm. But more than likely, you finish around 10 to 15 total commits in this class, like we've seen with the last couple of classes. And 
maybe somewhere around the top 30 when it's all said and done, because Ole Miss is then going to, as we have seen, and as Lane Kiffin has made very clear, they're going to leave 10-ish scholarship spots open. Could be more, could be less, depending on who commits and, and when. Um, they're going to leave 10 scholarships open for transfer portal guys. So while Ole Miss sits 45th in the country right now, they are, like we've said before, like even Lane Kiffin has said before, they're doing that intentionally because to kind of close this conversation, Ole Miss can't compete financially, at least right now, with these Notre Dame, Ohio State, Texas, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, USC, Penn State, LSU, Miami, Louisville, Tennessee, Florida, you know, et cetera. So they have to take a different approach. And thus far, it's paid off. But until Ole Miss can put more money in the pockets of the collectives or until there is more parity across the NIL space, then Ole Miss won't be within that top 10 for the foreseeable future. And that's okay. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And, and look, they – looking at the – 2022 class that finished 21st overall. Um, trying to do some quick math here. 17. Yeah, so 24 with the transfers. Um, 25 uh, with the transfers. So they could be looking at taking a smaller class and then focusing more of their um, efforts in the portal again, um, which, hey, Strategy has been good so far. So if you can get guys that are experienced, older, looking to get in and make an impact, you know, as soon as they step foot and you're not counting on a 17-year-old, an 18-year-old to pick everything up and hit the ground running, um, you know, who can say that, that that's a dumb strategy for Kiffin and his staff? So, um, but yeah, we'll continue to monitor all things Ole Miss recruiting. Um, got a couple things up on the site at omspirit.com, part of on3.com. Um, got a trending or ending up on Tyler Williams, the wide receiver out of Florida. Uh, Tarion York was offered by Ole Miss last week. He's planning a visit. He's a Baylor commit 2023. Um, so a lot going on over at OM Spirit. Remember to like, subscribe, and leave a review for the show. And uh, we'll be back on Thursday to chat some more Ole Miss recruiting. So for Grayson over there, for the sponsors that make the show possible, and to you, the listener, I'm Zach. We'll talk to you on Thursday. We out. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.